Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we want to thank you so much um, that you give us this opportunity to be here, to be with each other. And so we pray that as we open up the word, that you would silence all of the distractions in our minds, that you would allow us not to worry about all the things we have to do tomorrow or Monday or next week, but that we would be fully present to your spirit that is here now. We thank you, and we pray that you would give us a fresh word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, this morning we are continuing our sermon series on, and who can, who can tell me what the sermon series is titled? People's Choice. Just think of People's Choice Award minus the award. So, People's Choice. And this Sabbath, this morning, what we're talking about is something that I think all of us can relate to in one way or another, and that is how to overcome temptations. How many of you have ever been tempted? If you're not raising your hand, I know you're lying. But we still love you. Yeah, temptations are everywhere all the time. They're all around us. They are frustrating. It's frustrating when we give in to temptations. And so several of you said, well, teach us how to overcome temptations. So this morning we're going to try to do that with the help of Scripture and the Holy Spirit. So there's three questions that I want to try to answer this morning. What is or what are temptations? Where do temptations come from? And how do you overcome them? So in order for us to do this, I, need to, I want to begin with a story in the book of Genesis chapter 3. And this is what it says. Now the serpent was more crafty than any, of, than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He, the serpent, said to the woman, "Did Now this is there's a serpent with wings, and then there's Eve, and they're having a conversation in the Garden of Eden. And the serpent says, Did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may, eat fruit of the, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Does that sound right? So you're not supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was there with her, and he ate. It's not good news when in the, very, in the third chapter of the Bible we find temptation, right? We, we would expect that maybe 10 chapters in or 30 chapters in, that maybe we would have some time of, of peace and of calm and of everything is the way that it should be. But what we find is that right in the beginning we see that temptation rears its ugly head. Temptation shows up even in paradise, the first lesson that we can kind of take away from this is that there will never be a time in your life when temptation doesn't rear its ugly head. So here's some of the things that I want you to look at when it comes to temptation. I think I have this here. Yeah. Here are the words that the Bible uses to describe this thing this, that the serpent was asking Eve to do. He says, the tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise. All of these things are really good things. All of these things that we find in this story about the, tr- about the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is that it all, it, it kind of made sense. 
Why not try to be like God? Why not try to know everything? Why not um, do all of this? Because after all, it looks good. It made sense to Eve, and so she took and she ate it. So I would put it this way. The promise of what temptations offer often seem to outweigh the negative consequences. I'll read that one more time. The promise of what the temptation offers often seems to outweigh the negative consequence. So what this means is, if I do this, I know that might happen, but I think I can handle the consequence, so I'm going to do this anyway. But what happens with temptations, whenever we're tempted by something, we, we often think that if we, this thing that is being presented to us is worth it, and it'll give us so much more, and we'll deal with the consequences later. For Eve and for Adam, what the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was offering them seemed like it was worth the ultimate consequence. Now, the ultimate consequence was what? God said that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happens? You'll die. So I don't know about you, but I think that's the one consequence that I can't live with. If you're going to do something and the consequence is death, you run away. But for whatever reason, Eve was convinced that she not only would not die, but that it was worth sacrificing everything to to become as close to God as possible. Because the promise of the temptation often seems to outweigh the consequence. But the Bible tells us that God said not to eat of that tree, and the serpent straight up lied and deceived Eve. Now let me just say this. If you're ever talking to a talking serpent, it's probably a good idea not to listen. Amen? (laughs) You surely will not die, is the lie that the serpent fed Eve and ultimately Adam. You will be like God. She wanted, in some ways, what she was saying and what Adam was saying in eating of this fruit is that what God had given them, the Garden of Eden, paradise, everything the way it should be, that what God had given them wasn't enough for them. What we find in this story implicitly is that they wanted more. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but for how many of you have you ever looked at your life and you tell yourself, but I want more. I want different. I want things to be different than this. When we begin to have those conversations in our heads, what we begin to do is we begin to find ourselves in the place of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden where they desired something more than what God was giving them. And the devil, through the serpent, comes in and deceives them. The lure of the temptation is that they would get instant gratification. For us, temptations are always tempting because they are promising to to satiate some instant gratification. The, the, The lure of temptations is that they will fill that craving or that desire and that it will be worth it. But I think if we think about this, temptations are really just what comes up on the surface of something that is going on way deeper within you. So, what are temptations? It's the promises 
that offer you something, but whose consequence will be horribly bad. Temptations are in many ways the devil's way of trying to get us away from staying on the path that leads us towards God. So, what are temptations? Where do temptations come from? So let's, can we read some scripture together? Let's go. James 1. Let no one say when he or she is tempted that I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So number one, is God the one that makes you, gives you temptations? No. Okay. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So where did temptation come from? Your own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So God is not tempting you. God does not have that proverbial carrot dangling in front of you, trying to see if you will take the bait. God has way more important things to worry about than seeing whether you will take the bait of temptation. Temptation comes as a result of our, of our own desires and passions. Not, in, not passion in a good way, like you're passionate about something and then you go and change the world, but just those fleshly and sinful desires and passions. But what we find is that each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. So it's important for us to kind of check what is it that is luring us. Now, I'm not going to give you too much yet because in a few minutes we're going to look at how we can kind of overcome that. I'll look at another passage, Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Um, it's right after the story of, of Cain and Abel. And God has this conversation with Cain. And he says, if you do not do well, so if you're not doing good, if you're not doing good things, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So what does God imply here? You have dominion. You have power. You have the ability to overcome temptation and sin in your life. Paul would go on in chapters and books later. Um, he would say that, we, that he would not be dominated by anything. Instead, we are given dominion from the beginning of Scripture. We are taught that we have power and we have the freedom of will. And God gives us the power to be able to overcome any temptation and any sin, no matter how difficult it might seem. So there's a quote. It says, Opportunity knocks only once, but temptation bangs on your door for years. There's a different way of saying it, but temptation leans on the doorbell for years. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't opportunity always be there? But the truth is that temptation, unless we, we are very careful about creating boundaries in our lives with the things that are tempting us, unless we are very intentional about it, we may succumb to temptation. Because, after all, it says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So what does he say? He says, be sober-minded and be watchful. Because your adversary is like a roaring lion waiting for someone who he, whom he can devour. How many of you have, feel, have felt like temptation is like that? It's like there's nowhere you can go. There's nothing you can do. Like temptation is just there constantly. So you might as well just give in. Because Pastor Dave's been telling us that even though we sin, God's grace covers our sins. Right? I know some of you have had a problem with that. 
It's true. God forgives us our sins. God's grace is far abounding. But never does God say, just give in to your temptations, give in to your sin. Because what happens is if you give in to temptation, that one temptation, whatever that may be, has the power to rip everything away from you. And it has the power to take everything that is dear to you. And so we must be careful, watchful. There's another place, there's another, I don't have this on the, there's an, I don't have this on the screen, but I saw a quote that says, if you don't want to slip, stay away from slippery places. That's kind of, kind of has to do with temptation. If you don't want to sin, if you don't want to be tempted, stay away from temptation. So where do temptations come from? They come from within ourselves. They come from our sinful nature. They come from the devil. So that's what, that's where do they come from. So now let's get to the part of the sermon that I think most of you are kind of wanting to hear about. It's how do we overcome temptations? So the first thing I want to say, the very simple answer to how we overcome temptation is run away. Run away whenever you are being tempted by something. Just run away. Get yourself away from whatever situation it is. Just run away. Now, if that's too hard, then we're going to look at some other stuff here. (laughs) But run away. Resist him, the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. So he's talking a little bit about suffering, but also has to do with temptation. So if you are being tempted by something, but you feel like you can't share it with anyone else, because if you tell them, then they might judge you. Or maybe you feel like, man, am I the only one that is facing this temptation? I feel like, I feel like such a sinner. Well, what we find is that you're not the only one who is wrestling with that temptation. There are people, Christians, brothers and sisters, who are also dealing with the same kinds of temptations that you're dealing with. And so there's hope. The scripture keeps going. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to the eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, so what's the first step to overcoming temptation? Is that God himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We, we live in a world where we don't want other people to do those kinds of things for us. We, we are strong enough, we feel, like, to do things ourselves. But the central narrative of the Christian faith is that there is a God who loves you so much that he is willing to do whatever it takes, not only to grant you eternal life, but to, to make this life a better life for you. And so when you are in the midst of temptations, when you are just like, I am so weak, I am going to give in to this, you're in the moment and you're just like, oh, whatever, right? You throw caution to the wind. Just be reminded that you are strong enough because the God of heaven and earth will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Let's go to another passage. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, on first reading, this almost seems like, wait, is God the one who is tempting us? It almost seems like, yo, God is bringing this temptation to you, so he will also provide a way out. But this is just Paul's way of understanding that God is sovereign over all things, and that if you are being tempted, God ultimately allows it, but God's not the one who is sending that temptation into your life. What we learn here in overcoming temptation is that no matter what your temptation or what you are being tempted with, 
God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. What does it say? Um, But he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So I would ask this. Do you have to give in to your temptations every time? Are your temptations more powerful than the God who created all things? So what we find is that when we give in to temptation, what we're really saying is we just want an excuse to do that one thing we know we shouldn't do. But the reality is is that God will give you the power, the strength, and the ability to overcome even the strongest of temptations. Just talk to anybody who's been addicted to any kind of substance, and then they overcome it. If, if, if they're of, what they'll often tell you is that it wasn't something that they could do on their own, but that it was a higher power who helped them take that thing away from them. There is someone in our community who for years and years and years was addicted to something, but from one day to the next, she says, God took it away from me. How do you explain that? Your body becomes dependent on things, and yet from one moment to the next, God takes something away. Not only does God take that away, but God provides healing and the ability not to have to go through horrible withdrawals. So temptation can be overcome. Temptation can be resisted because God provides a way for escape. Another passage. There's a lot of passages today because there's just so much to go through. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. If you're a guest and this is like, what? You're not giving us context. Let me give you the context. The high priest here is Jesus, right? So Jesus, he dies. Um, Jesus gives his life so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty of, of, of eternal death. And when Jesus atones, that's the word we use, when Jesus atones or forgives us for our sins, then he, in essence, is our high priest. So what this writer says is, Jesus... Um, We do not have a Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What we find is Jesus was also tempted. He may not be tempted in the, in the little ways that we have been tempted, but do you guys remember the story? Right after Jesus was baptized, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights without food, without water, and yet Jesus is able to resist the temptations of the devil himself. I've never seen the devil face to face, and I hope I never do. I have a sense that I would probably be pretty scared. But what we find in the scripture is that Jesus is able to withstand even the temptations of Satan himself when he is at his weakest. When Jesus is at his weakest, he overcomes. And it is that same Jesus that is available to you whenever you face temptations. Because remember, temptations may have horrible, horrible consequences. Sometimes consequences that we don't know until way in the future. Temptations can be devastating to you. Temptations may feel good in the moment, but in the long run, may be devastating. Not only that, the more and more that you succumb to temptations, the more and more you find yourself drifting away from that relationship that you have with God. The more you succumb to relationships, the more you begin to realize that your life is out of sync and out of harmony with the way God wants things to be. But God is faithful. 
And God will provide a way for you to get out of the situation. So I think there's one more passage and then a few other things I want to get to. So that's the scripture part. But now I want to get to a couple of, oh, in my notes, I wrote this, but without a, without a passage to it. It says, die to yourself, fool. <laughs> I'm not calling you a fool. This was a note for myself that I just looked at. Yeah, the way you, you, you overcome temptation is to learn daily to die to, to die to your own selfish desires and wants and passions and say, today, Lord, I want to live for you. When I, one, of the, one of the prayers that I, that I have when, when I wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning, and I'll, I'll just share this with you, um, is, Lord, I give you permission to take control of my life. I don't even want free will. <laughs> just make all of the right choices for me today, and I think we'll be okay. But dying to yourself is saying, look, I, I know that I have these selfish wants and these desires, and I know what these temptations are in my life. God, protect me from that. And, and as a way of doing that, will you just lead me every single day? And then the second prayer that I have is, Lord, help me to go with the second voice in my head. Does that sound weird? Help me to go with the second voice in my head. And here's what that means. Usually when you're tempted or when you want to do something or say something, um, usually it comes from that desire. But usually, in my, in my case, God's voice will be the second voice in my head that says, no, you know you shouldn't do that. Or it's not a good idea to do this. Or it's not a good idea to say that. So the second prayer I pray is, Lord, let the second voice be the one that I go with. Because God will not lead you astray. God will strengthen you. So here we go. Here are some practical ways to avoid temptation. Ready? Find the source. So, in essence, identify where you are weakest. Write it down. Put it in a journal. Put it on your phone. Whatever. Voice it. You have to identify and accept that temptations are going to come, and they may come when you least expect them. So identify the source. Number two, when you are being tempted... Think about the consequences of your action if you follow through with it. Think about the ultimately worst thing that can happen if you do this. I guarantee you that for most of you, if when you are faced with a temptation that's like, oh, it's not really a big temptation. If I do this, it's okay. If you think about what consequences will come as a result of that, I'm talking about every single possible consequence, you may think twice about doing that thing that you really want to do. See, most of us, we want that instant gratification, but there aren't very many of us who want to deal with negative consequences that are going to last into the future. So the next time you feel inclined to use certain words to hurt somebody else because you know they'll hurt them, think about what that will ultimately do to that person and to yourself. If there is an addiction and you just want to keep going back to that thing, whether it's a substance or a thing or a person or whatever, think about what ultimate consequences will there be if I succumb to that. So identify the source Think of the consequences, and then kind of three as part of one is know your weaknesses. Know where you are weak. There's an expression, and, and I don't think it's biblical, but there's an expression that can be biblical. It says, God's not impressed with your ability to resist temptation. God is more impressed that you don't put yourself in a position to have to resist it. 
Stay away from the things you know are going to tempt you. I'll say that one more time. Stay away from the things or the places that you know are going to tempt you. Part of that is set boundaries for yourself. Set boundaries for yourself. If you're married, if you're in a committed relationship, um, if you have close friends, let them help you set boundaries so that you won't succumb to the temptation. Any good friend or spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend will help you to do that if they truly love you. Set boundaries. Boundaries are good in your life. Set boundaries so that you never cross them, so that you don't have to worry about having to resist that temptation. Um, There's two more. Find an accountability partner. Find an accountability partner. For a long time, I had an accountability partner. It was kind of a more loose accountability partner, but it was someone that, I would, that we could call whenever there was a temptation, whenever there was a lure, whenever there was that something or whatever that was kind of pulling at us. We, we knew that we could call each other, and the other person would help us through that. Find an accountability partner. I, that person is not your husband or your wife. It's not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Usually an accountability partner is someone of the same sex that's close to the same age. After church service, don't ask me to be your accountability partner. <laughs> my, answer will, my answer will always be no. My accountability partner has to be outside of the church. Find up someone who's going to keep you accountable, someone who is such a good friend to you that they will actually point out, hey, when you're doing or saying that, that's bad. I've been, I've been blessed to have actually several people in my life always point out to me where I am kind of diverging from the path that I must be going on. I've had people who are close to me who have kept me accountable and who have told me the really harsh truths even when I didn't want to hear them. So find an accountability partner. And then the last one is the one that you should have, most of you should have probably already known, is saturate yourself in the Word. Saturate yourself in the Word. And what I mean by that is saturate yourself in Scripture. Read Bible. Memorize Bible verses. One of the things that I have found that works really well um, when you're facing temptation, when you're having a bad day, when things aren't going the way they're supposed to, and all you're doing is focusing in on that one thing, one of the things I've learned that helps is try to memorize long passages of Scripture. Because what you'll find is all of your attention will be going towards memorizing that Scripture. And the harder it is, the better. <sighs> I've, been, I've been currently memorizing um, the armor of God, but it's like, like, it's like 13 or 14 verses because I want to get the whole context in. And it's not, I think as you get older, it's not as easy as it won, when you were a kid. Like, our, our, my 10-year-old, he, he memorizes Bible verses every day for, for, I mean, every week for class, right? And I'm like, oh, this is easy. So then I start memorizing these bigger passages, and it's not easy. But what I find is when I'm focusing on that, even when you don't want to, especially when you don't want to, when you're just like, no, nah, I don't want to do that, especially when you don't want to memorize Scripture, if you focus on it, there's something that God does through the Spirit that just changes the way you see things and feel and the way you experience life. If you don't believe me, try it this week. Have, have already something that you want to memorize. Start with Psalm 23. 
That's an easy one. Just start with Psalm 23 and don't just rush through it, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Not like that, but think about the words you are actually memorizing. And I, and I guarantee you that it will change the way you feel and the way you see the world. Saturate yourself in Scripture. Anytime that temptation arises, just use it. It's not superstition. It's just a way to expose yourself to God. And the second way you saturate yourself in the Word is saturate yourself in Jesus. Imagine in some way that you have this open connection to Jesus on a daily and constant basis and have a conversation with Jesus, an honest conversation. So, identify the source. Consider the consequences. Know where you are weakest. Set boundaries. Find an accountability partner. And saturate yourself in the word. So, temptations... They're going to rear their ugly heads all the time. They will seem strongest when you are at your weakest. But what we have found is that God will provide a way out of every single temptation. So the next time you're tempted with something, just take a step back and say, okay, God, where's my escape? Where is my escape route? If you, um, I don't know, okay, I'm running out of time, but every time I go to a new building, I always have an escape route. In case there's a fire or an earthquake or whatever, I'm always really well aware of if I have to leave really fast, which way I'm going to leave. It's just one of those weird things that I do. Now, if that's true for just a building fire, what about the spiritual fires that will happen in your life? You must always look for that escape route because there will always be one. And just know that if you submit to some of these temptations, they will have devastating results. So consider what the results will be before you give in. So I think there's one last note that says, yeah, and I think that was it. It was that that temptations, they will offer and promise things that seem like they are what you need, but they are deceptive. You know what the temptations are in your life. Allow God to strengthen you as, you as you firm your resolve to not fall to those temptations. I hope this has been helpful. And, um, <laughs> and if you do fall to temptations, God does forgive you. So I'm not saying to do it, but just remember that God's grace abounds more than any of us could ever imagine. Amen.